0: Hi, I'm Garth Tanner.
1: I'm Jamie Winkup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're
0: the Forex Angels and you're listening to the V8 Insiders.
2: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders.
1: Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Kelly hold their evaluation day. It's more about young guys are going. Tim Edwards rates SPR season. I wouldn't say I'm ever the optimist. We'll look at all that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders.
3: You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine.
1: Tim Edwards, team principal of FPR, told the V8 Insiders how he measures the team's start to the season. There's
0: quite a few criteria that we measure ourselves by, but look, I think we're encouraged by the speed of the car. I mean, all three drivers are really happy with the car, the way it behaves, the feedback it gives them. So, you know, that's an encouraging start for us. You know, obviously, two of the drivers have got existing experience with the car, but the way Paul's come in and just, you know, he loves the car, he loves the team, um, and he, you know, he really feels that it suits his driving style, so
1: Edwards talked about what he sees as a realistic result for his three drivers in two thousand and ten i
0: wouldn 't say i 'm ever the optimist, but you know Frosty's in a good position to have a cha- you know have a good crack at the championship this year there 's no doubt about that you know, it 's not going to be easy you know and he 's got a good fight on his hands with garth and 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 Jamie in particular i think but um but look he's he 's in the right place to to have a really good could go to the championship. I think, realistically, for Paul, um, you know, he could end up, you know, around the, you know, now he might do better or worse than this, but, you know, I think on current form, you know, he should be easily a top five for the championship. Um... And then with Richo, well, obviously, he's had a difficult start to the year. Unfortunately, 90% of that isn't actually down to him. It's down to issues that we've had with the car, which, you know, go back to what I was talking about earlier. You know, we have got some issues with the car that we're trying to iron out. And unfortunately for Richo, you know, nine times out of ten when these issues have arisen, it's actually happened to him and nobody else. But um, but look, you know, I think Richo should comfortably finish inside the top ten.
1: Kelly Racing held a driver evaluation day on Tuesday. Evaluation days are structured with the team driver allowed to do 10 laps to set up the car and establish a benchmark for the others to shoot at. Todd Kelly talked about what they were looking for out of the day.
2: Today's not really about us, the main drivers. It's more about giving a few young guys a go and trying to work out uh, exactly who we put in the car for the Enduro. So it's been a good day just to sit back and uh, and watch the car go around for once.
1: Johnny Reed talked about how the opportunity to test for Kelly's came about.
4: Yeah, well, pretty much uh, just hitting home before the Grand Prix, I got a, a phone call from, from Barry. Ryan to say come over and, and test which sort of made my Easter weekend a whole lot more enjoyable um, and here I am today testing um, for Cali Racing and um, yeah it's been a totally enjoyable experience. I've, I've learnt a lot and you know, I've had minimal time in, in Viet Supercars and um, you know I think with the, all the single seater racing I've done in the past and um, you know the switch to Porsche Racing in New Zealand finishing second in the championship set me up well for you know, my future endeavours in in V8 supercars and and touring car racing. So um, to kick it off here with Kelly Racing today has been exciting and, you know, I've learnt a lot Um, and, you know, there's a whole lot more
0: to come.
1: Jason Barguana explained why a V8 supercar is so special.
0: Forget how special these cars are to drive. When you see guys that have never driven before hop in, the look on their face when they get out. How difficult it is to get the brakes right, the gear change, the engine. Rave about the acceleration. Here I am complaining about understeer and getting the power down and they just can't believe how good these race cars are. So it's, it's exciting, and it's good to give these guys who uh, don't get these opportunities a chance to have a go on a supercar.
1: Scott Barguana got a taste of what his brother enjoyed for over 10 years. Yeah,
3: it's, it's surreal. It's just uh, it's nothing. You, you can't explain exactly what it's like. The power and grip of these cars is just awesome.
1: David Sierra was back in the car. Hot on the heels after his karting duties at the Australian Titles in Paca Um,
0: With every session, I'm learning different things, and with James and uh, Peter there, they helped me out a lot. Um, tracing over Todd's car, so um, you know, I'm just trying to improve my braking at the moment and get into full throttle, but I still have a little bit to work on.
1: V8 Supercars, pace car driver Amber Anderson also got her chance to jump into the Kelly Racer.
0: It's certainly, big and
4: powerful cars, the V8s, and it's uh, been a bit of a jump for me in learning stakes to uh, learn about. How these things handle, and also just to get my head around the setup inside and get myself comfortable in them.
1: The team was extremely impressed with all the performances of the drivers, including Nathan Pretty, who was setting some great times on the day. Stephen Johnson will make his 150th start at Hamilton next week, whilst Jack Perkins will be making a one off return to the Fujitsu Series at Queensland Raceway, driving the James Rosenberg Commodore, which Tim Slade was running in for super cheap auto racing last year. Tony Diaberto has secured some additional funding for the rest of the season. Diaberto told the v Insiders that his single car team has been working on major sponsorship opportunities as the new financial year closes in.
5: I've got a guy working full time now and I think just building
0: relationships now, um, you know, and a lot, of, a lot of companies, you know, got their financial year and mid-year there, so, you know, everything comes up for tender again, so... You know, we'll put our hand
2: up and see how we go. But things like this definitely help.
1: And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, it's Andrew Clark and Jacob Black.
2: Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders.
3: You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing.
2: Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week on the roundtable is from P101. Well, it's actually P101 Fest here. We've got Jacob Black. Good okay. evening. And we've got the boss in Andrew Clark. Thanks for joining us, both of you.
5: I like being called the boss.
1: Most <laughs> people do. Hey, we've got an interesting situation here. The Car of the Future's been launched, and a week later, what have you been uh, thinking about, and and what are your contacts telling you about this evolution of V8 supercars?
5: I think most people are um, optimistic. that that it's going to do what its sole goal is. Like its main goal, despite what everybody says about bringing other manufacturers in, its main goal is to cut the cost of running these cars. Um, Ultimately V8 supercars um, can't survive on 14, 15, or even 16 rounds. It needs to get 20 rounds happening if it wants to keep its growth curve going. So they're going to find a way to build, maintain, um, repair, all the little bits and pieces. Um, They're going to get the cost down so they can have more cars. Um, so I think you know, most people believe that is going to happen, all except for Simon McNamara at Holden, um, and his theory is that as soon as you bring in uh, the potential for automotive competition, the cost will go up. Um, but um, I think Simon's perhaps looking after his backyard a little bit more than uh, than he is about the sense of reality. So, as I say, I think you know most people are optimistic. I think um, you know there's a bit of excitement about who will be the third manufacturer, and I reckon there will be a third manufacturer within two years. Within a year of the um, of the car of the future starting, um, it won't be Mercedes Benz and it won't be BMW. Um, it'll be somebody quite different, I think. But you know, I think yeah, everybody I've spoken to
4: seems are quite positive.
1: Jacob, what are your thoughts on it?
4: Well, I I agree, and and I agree about the about the comments that Simon you know, McNamara's made and that Holden for, that Holden's made in particular about not wanting other manufacturers in and being upset that they'll, they'll, uh, they'll spoil the party, as it were. But the fact of the matter is that unless they're prepared to fund every car on the grid, then they've got no room to, they've, they've not got a leg to stand on. They've got hmm. no room to, to cry and whinge. And, and that's notwithstanding the fact that they have put a lot into the sport and they have supported it and helped it grow but um, unless they're ready to, to go the next level, well, they've got to be prepared to open it up. I've the got... reality sorry, the reality for
5: someone like Holden is that, you know, it's, it's OK to get beaten by Ford every now and then, but uh, how much are you going to enjoy getting beaten by Kia? Um, <laughs> and, and this thing is like, you know, like let, let's be serious about what V8 Supercars is. It's not, you know, Holden versus Commodore. It's not, you know, Commodore versus Kia Cerato or whatever. These are purpose-built race cars, essentially running a silhouette-based formula, um, but it's a parity formula, and V8 supercars will do everything within its power to make sure that each car, with the, you know, if it was built by the same team with the same driver, would run about the same sort of lap times. Um, so, you know, if you're going to bring a third manufacturer in, they're going to win races. You know, so is Holden going to want to get beaten by Kia? Is it going to want to get beaten by Hyundai? Um, yeah, you know, I know. Certainly not. You know, they could handle it, I suppose, if they were getting beaten by BMW or Mercedes, because you know that's a yeah you know, better brand. But uh, the other two brands are a bit, you know, bit on the nose in Australia, and uh, even though they sell a lot of cars, but they're not enthusiast cars. They're not. You know, people aren't buying it because they really want one. They're buying one because the price suits them. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, they're in a different world. And this is the thing I think that Simon McNamara And Holden and Ford, you know, and Ford have come out saying they're a bit on the fence as well, but you know they're a bit worried that uh, they could get beaten by a by a brand that is, uh, you know, rated by them as inferior to their product.
1: But that's the thing, isn't it, Jacob? That manufacturers are look down their nose upon until they actually make some strives to build their brand and to get their brand into a uh, into a uh, position. Where people that, want it. It's 30 years ago that no one wanted a Toyota.
4: That, so maybe that's
1: right. maybe 40 actually.
4: That's right, and it's all about marketing, and it's all about how the and and how the public perceives your brand and and your product, and that's why racing is an effective tool for manufacturers. I mean, getting aside away from that for just a second one of the things that i did like about the car of the future is this move to the to the larger and the wider wheel um and the improvement of mechanical grip i think that mechanical grip we've seen it in formula one we've seen it elsewhere we saw it when baba gallo was resurfaced some time ago that when mechanical grips improved racing improves and and that's probably the biggest positive that i've seen out of car of the future
1: well let's talk about those wheels because i'm not in favor of them going for a bigger wheel because the less you've got in the tyre to give, the more they're going to be spending on suspension parts and the more likely you are to have wheel failures because there is less give in them and the weakest component is automatically the one that stops. When you, when you get into the technical aspects of this, it's, it's a very expensive thing on top of making new cars, which will be cheaper to make, but that's still an expense. The suspension and geometry changes that are going to come along with 18-inch wheels is also going to be a huge is going to be a huge uh, impost, and let's face it when you got the bigger when you've got the tyre, which has got the same rolling circumference on a smaller rim that's when the cars get skatey, get more out of control and that's when it's really exciting to watch them.
5: Yeah, but how dorky do they look with those like you know, big profile tyres? I mean, you know, let's get into the modern day, I mean yeah, how many Commodores and Falcons run around on 17-inch wheels? Like, you know, most of them are running 18, 19s, and so forth. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm I'm not a not buying into the story that it's going to open it up to other manufacturers. I mean, you know, if Yokohama thought that running V8 supercars was an effective marketing tool, you know, they'd run a 17-inch tire with, you know, a, as tall as a four-wheel drive if they needed to. So, you know, I don't think that that makes any difference at all. Um, but um, you know, I think they'll look better. I don't think that there's much of an issue with suspension or anything like that. I mean, at the moment, they use the tyres as a suspension component. Um, ultimately, you know, the regulations and the restrictions placed around things isn't going to push the cost up with shock absorbers or anything along those lines. I mean, I think you'll find it, you know, within a few years, that'll all be control component anyway.
1: Well, that's uh, another control component, Jacob, is going to be the rear end. It's going to be an independent rear end. And obviously, once again, that is a, a situation where they're going a bit higher tech than your straight forward, regular forward diff anyway.
4: Well, yeah, but it—you uh, know—I mean, it's probably a little bit overdue that we did go to, to things like an independent rear end, and and there's some tech things in the car of the future that that I think are a little bit overdue. And one of the great criticisms that I hear, and that I try to defend Veyron supercars against, is this idea that it's like NASCAR where they deliberately pick the oldest and the and the lumpiest and most, you know, antiquated technology that they can and and i think that the fact that they're doing things like independent rear suspensions where we're seeing those in the road going versions now and that's um you know albeit far removed but i think it's a it's a good move that that we actually say well actually the world's moved on the product's moved on what we build has moved on let's let our race cars move on as well and I think Skye summed
5: it up quite well when he gave the presentation the other day, where you know he spoke about the, the three approaches to you know, essentially touring car racing. Is that you can go low tech and you can run a NASCAR, and you know you can all scratch your head and you know and go Daryl and watch and and all those kind of things, you know, and, and NASCAR does that. Um, or you can go the other end and be incredibly technical, like the German, you know, the DTM in Germany. Um, and then you just want to make sure that you can reach the bottom of your pocket because you're going to want to keep handing out the cash for it. Or you can go in the halfway in-between mode. So, you know, the, the, the V8 supercars are quite technical cars. You know, they, there's enough there to challenge an engineer. There's enough there to you know, create a point of difference from, you know, one person's thought process to another person's thought process. So, you know, they've, they've deliberately opted for that middle ground where it's a little bit low-tech but a little bit high-tech. Um, and I think the other thing you're going to see with this one is that, you know, now that the engine regulations are, they're talking about opening those up a little bit. So, getting away from, you know, essentially 1960s technology, they're going to allow the cars to start running modern technology. Um, you know, what's the bet that Ford wants to run its Boss engine or the new Coyote engine, something, you know, a little bit more in line with what it runs on the road? Because um, you can't buy a Falcon with a pushrod engine. You know, so that's going to happen as well. So, you know, you've got enough things to keep people excited in terms of the engineering, the technical skills, but you've also got enough in there to control it so that it's not going to go out of control and, uh, you know, we're going to be building lightweight carbon fibre
1: racers. Well, we it's, it's interesting to talk about the car of the future. We are going to be talking about the car of the future for, uh, well, at least another year and a half until it's delivered on the track. And... Uh, we need to take a break now. And on the other side of the break, I want to talk to you about calendars. This is the V8 Insiders. You've
3: taken the V8 to the races. you watch watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now.
2: To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au.
0: Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where Andrew Clark and Jacob Black from P101 join me. And, guys, the calendar. This year, the calendar was uh, started over in, in Abu Dhabi and then on to Bahrain before it really got started in Adelaide. The board has had uh, one meeting, but it was before all the TV figures and they really got all the data together on making... A, an assessment on whether they should continue that, but it looked fairly uh, clear that even Tony was having a hard time defending the almost soft soft launch of the V8 Supercar season this year. Jacob, uh, do you think we will still see the Middle East kicking off the calendar in 2011?
4: Oh. I'd, I'd I Honestly, I, I don't know. In my heart, I hope that we don't. I'd like to see us bring clipsil forward. I think someone said to me the other week that um, it used to be running in late February, and I know we've had problems with with the heat and everything else in the past, but I, I don't know, but I, I am hoping that they do sort of tweak it around and, and jig it and, and maybe bring clipsil forward or, or put those Middle East rounds back a little bit. Andrew? Um, well, they ran Clipsal. I think only once have they run
5: Clipsal in February. I could be wrong on. That. And it got
1: spanked on the television by the by the cricket. Yeah,
5: exactly. I mean, there's a, and and it's more importantly is that like there's only a small window um, for running Clipsal 500 in Adelaide. You know, they've got their major events program, and it's important. You know, the government funds that thing. It's important that Clipsal fits in with what the government is trying to do you know so it's got to fit in around the bloody flower festival or something and a couple of other ridiculous things but you know um that's what it does and and i think you know trying to shift the Clipsal thing just to bring the uh, the middle east rounds in to say you know here we go how great is this um you know i'm not sure that it's the right thing to do um for the sport as a sport um as a business this thing makes perfect sense, you know. Start the thing in the Middle East, you know, because um, everybody makes money out of it. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you end up coming back to Australia and, um, you know, who knows that Garth Tander was almost out of the championship because he looked like a champion at, uh, at Adelaide. So, you know, you do have this problem where it, it creates a disconnect with the fans. Part of that is that, you know, they really got the TV scheduling totally wrong. Um, they mucked that up so badly it wasn't funny. Um, they also, you know, mucked up on the you know the Big Pond website. Just didn't have enough information coming through to the fans, you know. So, you know, you, you were you were detached to start with, but you were even more detached because the electronic media that covers these things was letting us down. So, well, certainly taking
1: it, the electronic scoring off the off the website, the easy access to it anyway. You could still get there on the back door, but. You know, not having the electronic timing and scoring just frustrated so many people when they couldn't watch it on TV either.
5: Well, it's just ridiculous when you think about it. You know, Formula One dot com. You know, I can go in there. I've got an iPhone app on my you know for, for Formula One dot com. I can watch a Formula One session on my iPhone um, and get live times. You know, why can't V8 Supercars do it that simply as well? You know, it's not tough to do these things. All you got to do is say, "This is what we're going to do." Um, there's enough websites around now feeding information, but even they were scammed in, the, in what they were giving us from the from the Middle East because you know V8 Supercars cut back on how many people um, they sent over there on the on the um, the, the so-called junkets. But you know th- this modern world, it doesn't really matter where they start. I mean, how many people, in all honesty, when the series used to start at Phillip Island, how many people actually went to that round? You know, and I would say that you know you maybe had. 10,000 Victorians and 5,000 tourists going to the Phillip Island when it was opening the, opening the series. How many people went to, to you know, Abu Dhabi and Bahrain? And probably 5,000 people. So you're not having that much of an impact, you know, not that different in terms of the absolute number of people who walked through the gate to do these things. The biggest thing is that we were disconnected because of the television and because of all the other electronic media that wasn't able to do their job properly
4: yeah and and then at the same time as you had the electronic media and, and the lack of information from the website and the lack of vision, you still had teams who have Facebook pages um, putting results up and putting photos up and so even if you were trying to dodge it and, and you were doing the you know I mean it's it's not rocket science people understand how the internet works anymore. If the information's on vaurcars dot com or dot com you don't go there for the, for the day if you if you're going to wait but you shouldn't have to wait anyway. I think, you know, we're going play to play it then. Yeah, play it live, and if you want to play it again at prime time or, or at a better time, then play it again. Repeat it then. But hmm. play thought it thought that was live so people have got the opportunity. You know, I thought that was the idea of digital
5: TV was to allow us to, you know, to run the different streams that, you know, Channel 70 could have run it at, you know, 1am or whatever it was, and, you know, clowns like myself and Jacob who didn't go over there, we would have sat up and watched it. Um, and then I probably would have turned on again at one o'clock in the afternoon and watched it again. Um <laughs> it's yeah. get all
1: the bits that you missed when you were snoozing.
5: Yeah,
4: no, I, no. I'd, have, I'd have come and watched it with you, Andrew. Yeah, exactly. See, Jacob knows
1: that I have beer. That's oh. right. <laughs> all right, now we've got this situation where we've got the calendar. How would you guys change the calendar to really get it off with a bang and also incorporate the international rounds, knowing that we are going to go overseas one to two more times in these in, in, the, in the future, you know, with the car of the future, there's going to be more overseas in the future and there's probably going to be a couple more races nationally as well to, as you said, get it up to the 20 rounds.
5: Mm. Well, I think you're definitely going to see, um, I would suggest, two or three more overseas rounds. Um, you know, the word is that Singapore's pretty hot for it. Um, you know, and then we'll end up going there. Um, the problem is that you know, if all the talk is that we're going to run on the street circuit with the Grand Prix, um, that you know, then we start fitting into other things. So, how much do you want to move Bathurst to accommodate, you know, going over to the Grand Prix? And you know, and and my view on that is that you know, and VA 8 Supercars keep talking about the traditional date for Bathurst. Well, that's gone anyway. You know, we're not running Bathurst on the traditional date. So, move Bathurst to wherever you want to make it work don't muck around with it too much i mean you know if it was up to me i mean i'd get rid of the bloody or whatever that thing is on the gold coast <laughs> um you know which yeah you, know, you watch what's happening there and you know and as you know craig you know when we first spoke about that with crusher you know i was quite excited by the concept but to me it's starting to lose its gloss already you know that you know, the big names that are coming are big things you know i think what and you know these guys who you know fell out of the back end of formula 1 10 years ago or whatever you know so we're not getting the big names we're not getting but we're going to get people
1: like bern schneider and a few others like that
5: yeah but the problem with it is and this is the biggest problem of all is that you need one international per team of four yeah well there's you know, there's be not going to be enough international per car or don't do it at all now i know why they did it because they had to have an international thing or the queensland government wasn't giving them any money anymore you know, like do it properly. You know, bite the bullet and make them do it. The, you know, the way they should. And you can't tell me there's not enough good internationals out there to, uh, you know, to run with these guys up there. But anyway, getting back to the to the thing, um, I personally, if they can get the scheduling right of TV, they can get the you know get their sort their own website out and all of those kind of things. I think that there is no drama starting the series overseas. You know, get over this thing that, you know, Australian touring cars or whatever it is, you know, grow up. You know, this is the modern era. This is, you know, this is the the Jacob Black, you know, who talks to you all the time on Skype or Facebook or whatever, you know. We are in a modern world. So come to grips with it. Let's work out how you make it work for you. Let's not be frightened to try something different. Let's, you know, go out there and do it. And I think they, you know, they can pull it off. Um, whether you have two or three rounds overseas to start the year i don 't think it matters because um, it 'll come back and Clipsal five hundred will be a stunning race as it is every single year it doesn 't matter whether or five hundred is the first the thirty first whatever it is, it will be good, um, and that will be the signal for Australian race fans to say you know it 's back here it 's in australia let 's go we 've had our three overseas rounds now we can you know, now we can come along. Um, but as I say, remember, when Philip Island opened the series, you know, there was two men and a dog going to it.
1: Yep. Yeah.
4: I, think... I guess one of the other things... Sorry, Craig, but a big part of the problem with the start of the season this year is the anti-climatic ad campaign. Like, Pink's fantastic, she's great and everything. Some of her songs are pretty good and all the rest of it. But, uh, I mean, I said to you, Craig, a little while back, I missed that ad that brings a tear to my eye where I know that we're... Supercar season starting, and I'm excited, and I'm ramped up, and and ready, and hanging on for it because we didn't have that this year because we had something that was more like an Optus ad than it was a V8 Supercar ad. To borrow a phrase from from Clarkey, I mean, it's we missed that. So some of that, some of that excitement, some of that ramping up comes from the message that comes from the marketing and the promotion, and I think we missed the target this year.
1: But I guess the thing is, as uh... Tony would say, we're not going after the hardcore fans, we're going over the new demographic. The hardcore fans, or the fans we've already got, they just need to know it's on. We need to now go wider and try and get the people who, uh eh, there's football on, or there's, you know, who the people that go, oh, there's nothing on. Well, now they might be going, oh, pink likes this, I'm, I like pink, We'll watch this. Does anyone seriously think
5: that pink ad is going to make one person turn it on they're kidding themselves if they do what they've missed completely and it's not just the TV eye that jacob is hankering for it's the other parts v8 supercars is an exciting violent sport you know it's up there you know you can put together a highlights package and i've seen the ones they do at the end of year dinners you watch what goes on in those things You can excite people about this because people will sit there and they'll say, oh, yeah, pink likes it, but, geez, all they do is go round and round in circles, don't they? You know, I've got mates who won't go to the car racing because they reckon it's dead boring. So package it up. Build the excitement. You know, like, do something that says to people, you know, this is gladiator sport. This is is knock them down drag them out, you know. These guys are battling, you know, everything, including risking their lives to do this thing. There aren't many sports that do that, and that's one of the great things about motorsport.
1: Well, I that guess... Pink it
5: ad, it's just 100%, and, and anybody can take me to task and ring me up and ask me if they want. It is the single worst ad campaign for anything I can remember.
1: Well, it's an interesting avenue that you're taking, but I guess at the end of the day, we, uh, we've got, they said, for the next, what, three years or... Versions of it for the next three years. So I guess we're going to have to see how the crowds grow, how the TV audience grows, because that'll be the measure of it, as opposed to whether you know the hardcore media get off on it.
4: Yeah, it, put a pink song over a highlight rate package. That'll be all right.
1: Well, it's an interesting one too, and I must admit when I uh, when they did first launch the pink ad, I looked back at the, you know, the uh, the AFL and the. The rugby league ads, the Tina Turner rugby league ads, and the AFL like to see that ads. And it was interspersed with action. And I think letting the drivers off the leash, letting the drivers get their personality out there and not uh, letting them worry if they, you know, if they go a cheap shot at another driver or go a cheap shot at the ref. You just go, all right, that's all part of the WWE V8 supercar world. Because... It's entertainment, it's sports entertainment It's not really Pure thoroughbred sport is it We need to take a break Gas and Go is on the other side of this
2: Find out more about your favourite Supercar teams and drivers When we go inside further on the V8 Insiders
3: You've taken the V8 To the races, you watch the action On TV, now read about them In V8X Magazine V8X Magazine, dedicated to Just one thing, V8 Supercars Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
0: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
3: Welcome back to
1: the V8 Insiders. Andrew Clark and uh, Jacob Black have just got me thrown off any chance of getting onto Big Pond Sport now, but... Uh, <laughs> Guys, it is uh, it is interesting. Well,
5: let's not get that wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, most of the things Big Pond do for this sport are great. But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that everything they do is perfect.
1: All right. Gas and go. Three minutes is the time frame, starting from now. Stephen Johnson's going to make 150 starts in New Zealand in a weekend's in two weekends' time. Is Stevie J starting to get to his peak, or is he past it, Andrew Clark? Um, Good question.
5: I don't think that he's at his peak. I don't think he's reached his peak. Um, I think that Steve Johnson is a bloke with a lot of talent who hasn't really given us
4: um, what we should expect from him. Jacob, oh, I agree. I think that there's a there's a gap between. I think it's like my old report card. Stephen Johnson shows remarkable potential, but doesn't quite apply himself all the time.
1: All right. Brad Jones Racing's about to get some new engines. Is that going to be the difference between running where they are and moving forward? Jacob?
4: Uh, You wouldn't know. I mean, I I like the concept that because it's an engine that's only for them that that it might have some, you know, a a bit of help for them. Um, I don't know that Walkinshaw Racing, Walkinshaw Performance, rather, was necessarily giving them the best gear or, or whatever. I don't really know how that works. But, you know... It can't. It can't hurt to try something new at the stage where they're at.
1: It's going to. Oh, sorry, Clarkey.
4: Uh, well, at least they'll be running, possibly.
1: It's
5: it... um, a start, isn't it? Um, I don't know whether. I, I'm. It, history's shown that when you start splitting your Vulcanshore supplied equipment, you go backwards very fast. So um, I don't understand why they've done it. I don't understand how I. They believe a one man, one one engine develop a deal is going to help them so yeah, I don't think it'll help them all that much but uh, chances are they'll be
1: running at least. Is going to Triple F, triple F Racing a morbid move for Morbidelli's V8 supercar hopes? Andrew um,
5: I don't know I mean um, you'd say that Triple F is struggling but uh, you know, Triple F might get there by then I mean I don't know uh, at the end of the day if you're going to go there you've got to go somewhere and uh, they're bringing in people um, V8 supercars are paying for these people to come to Australia, so you've got to slot them in somewhere, and he's a team, and you've got to give them to someone, so um, whether we see the best of Gianni Morbidelli um, running a triple F, I've got no idea, um, but uh, what you might actually see is that Dean Fiore might
4: cop a little kick up the bum. Oh, it, it worked really well for Troy, but oh wait, hang on, no. <laughs> <It didn't. laughs> I think they'll leave that one there.
1: Shane? <laughs> Shane Van Gisbergen's going home He's been on fire at the start of the season Is the pressure Of the hometown crowd Going to put out the fire Or is it just going to start the fire Billy Joel style Jacob uh, I, my,
4: I hope that it, that it ignites him I, I'm a big Shane Van Gisbergen fan I love the way he drives I, love, um, I think he's good for the sport And, he, and he's, he's got a Buttload of talent um, I really hope he goes hard. My, if I was going to put money down or if someone really asked me what I think will happen, I think he'll have a really great qualifying. I think he'll have a really great couple of opening laps and then it will start to get a little bit loose, a little bit ragged. He'll use his tyres, he'll over-push and um, he'll do a bit of a Weber, and, and try to come back from a bad position with a little bit too much gusto. Parky? No, nah, he'll be fine. Um, because he's... he's uh, Bit
5: laconic. I don't think that uh, the pressure is really going to phase him one little bit. At um, the end of the day, he's got some good people working with him. Uh, I reckon they can keep him straight. Uh, I reckon you'll see him on the podium and uh, I reckon that um, if he's on the podium and he's nearby, you watch him have a crack for a win.
0: Mm.
1: Of the one-car teams, finally now on Gas and Go, brought to you by V8X Magazine. It is, who's the best of the one-car teams so far in your report card? Andrew Clark. Now you
5: going. i got to work out who the one-car teams are. Well, um,
1: that's it. Do you, call, uh, do you call Rod Nash Racing a one-car team now? No, nope, they're part of a three-car team. Um, I would have thought that
5: the only real one-car team left is is um, Triple F. Um, oh, what, what about, about, about Delberto. Oh, Delberto, possibly. Lucas I mean, Dumbrell? Uh, pretty Walkinshaw. Dumbrell, yeah, maybe. I, I, mean, I think the one-car teams, I think, are the past, in a sense. I mean, you're all buying your technology. You're all you know, buying your, your clumps from here and there. So, you know, whether you want to call it that or not, I don't know. Um, but, you know, the one-car teams, um, they're a thing of the past. They're going to disappear soon.
1: OK, Jacob, he doesn't want to give him a score? Uh, the,
4: the top scorer would would have to be... Well, actually, the top scorer before um, Adelaide, I would have, well, and before uh, Albert Parker would have called... Um, Lucas Dumbrell Racing and Tim Slate, I think he's done a lot better than I thought he was going to be and been up in the top third of the field, but since, and I'm going to call it Tony Delberto. Tony D'Alberto is, is the best performer of those, I, I think there's three of them, Triple F, D'Alberto and Lucas D'Alberto. Mm. Well, that's... I mean, D'Alberto, to me, he's done really well
5: this year, he's uh, he's surprised me, um, and that's that's got to be a positive, I suppose, but
1: uh, as I say, I just think that if you are a serious one-car team... You're just going to battle. Well, that's gas and go for another week here on the V8 Insiders. Uh, Andrew and Jacob, great to have you on the show. Thanks very much. And we look forward as, uh, well, Hamilton is not far away now. As the chequered flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now.
2: Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.